Last week we talked about, we've been dealing with this guy right here. This is a three-part makeup of every human. It's the body, soul, and spirit. The body gives world consciousness. The soul gives self-consciousness. The spirit gives God consciousness. In the lost well, last week we talked about the fall, and I didn't get through with it, but, and I'm not going to even go back to it, but the results of the fall in two people, in Adam and Eve, was this. Their conscience was awakened. You remember, they realized they were naked. They, were, they had shame and guilt for the first time. They were separated from God. He came to the garden and said, Where art thou, Adam? He knew where they were. But they were separated in fellowship from the Lord. They were self-righteous. They made fig leaf aprons. That happens every day in the United States. It happens all the time. It happens in our churches. We make a fig leaf apron and we're okay. Uh, they were selfish. It, I don't even have the, any of the results. We could talk about the results in all the human race. The results over in Romans, I believe it's in Romans chapter 8, maybe in 10. It said the whole creation groans. Uh, everything in creation groans because of the fact that by one man sin of the world and death by sin I mean we just had a hurricane go across Florida in the 80s no, it's, somebody told me tonight it was a, over 100 now you know the problem sin didn't have any of that problem when we was in fellowship in the garden they, every day was Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Uh, a sentence of death. Sorrow. Suffering. I tried to figure out how many years after, you know, Adam is going to live 930-something years Think about the suffering and the heartache. And he said he had many sons and daughters. If you've got one son and daughter, you know the heartache of that. So it's, and then uh, subjection. Up to now, they've been rulers of the garden. Now they're cast out of the garden. And uh, I've got, I, that's supposed to say sentinels that are standing outside of the blessing of God. It's if you notice, it fits in with the S's. But there's two things: they're outside the garden, and they're away from the tree of life, and they will never go back in this life. And every man, woman, boy, girl 
who is born into this world since that day has no knowledge of the garden and no knowledge of that tree of life. In this life, it's heartache and sorrow and suffering in this life. Saved or lost, we all go through it because of the sin debt of the fall. So, <clears throat> over here, I added a little, you know, it's de getting decorated now. The Bible speaks of the heart of man. I don't, I'm not going to chase all the scriptures. You can, do, you can do a word study on it yourself. Sometimes it talks about the soul as being in the heart of man. Sometimes it talks about the spirit as being the heart of man. And it's interchangeable. But I would say that I would say that everything except the body is included in that heart picture. The body doesn't care. The body is subject to the soul and the spirit. You ever wake up and he says, that old body says, I just want to lay here a little longer. It's time to go to church. And he says, I just want to lay out on this recliner a little longer. If you get to church, if you get up, you'll have to have some You'll have have to put your mind, will, and emotions into into action. It may take a change of spirit to do that, but if you get up, you'll have to take charge of your body. He doesn't care. He'll lay anywhere I put him, and he'll he'll snore while he's there. He doesn't care. So, uh, there's a lot of other information that I'm not going to try to cover. I'm going to leave this up here for you, but I want to move. So, we have talking about the fall. In the fall, let me get a black pen. In the fall, we've cut off We've cut off communication with God. Where are you, Adam? Where art thou, Adam? I'm hiding over in the back end of the garden with a fig leaf apron. All the fellowship is gone. Can you see that? That's, that's a picture in Genesis of what happens in every man and every woman and every child and every... And every time that sin enters into our life, saved or lost, we're just driven further from God. Y'all with that? So if you cut this line, I, can't, I couldn't really show it, but if we take the red line as the God line, see we come into the, every bit of the communication with God is through our spirit. Every, everything of the communication of this world is through our body. 
that soul is going to operate. You read Galatians chapter 5, there's a battle goes on between the, the, the flesh man and the spiritual man. Every day. And then if you read Romans chapter 7, Paul's going to say, after I've been the greatest church planner the world's ever seen, the greatest preacher the world's ever seen, the greatest Bible writer the world's ever seen, after I've done all that, Romans chapter 7 says, everything I want to do, I don't do, and everything I don't want to do, that's what I do. Paul didn't write that as a novice. Paul wrote that as an experienced 35-year missionary who had been through it all and still had to say, that old flesh, who's going to separate me from this body of flesh? I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. That's what he said. After 35 years of service, all out, he said, I've crucified every day. I give it all. I, to, for to me, to live is Christ. I give everything I've got. But 35 years later, the flesh man's still giving him fits. And he's still struggling. Y'all see that? So, so, uh, I, so right now, the, see the red line comes in the spirit, goes down through this old piece of meat we call a brain and into the mind and soul and emotions and everything in here, we could paint the whole thing red when everything's right with God. I mean, there's no black. But that sin, my ear is not heavy that it cannot hear, my arm is not shortened that it cannot save. Right. But your iniquity has separated between you and your God. And so that's where Adam and Eve were. God had to do a work. Blood had to be shed. They, they stand outside of the garden with a, with a skin on them. The animal died. The blood was shed. And, and they're back in a relationship of sorts with God. How they will conduct themselves depends Hey, they'll never be, they'll never be in this blessed state where every day, every day, all day long, no, no doubts, no wonders, no problems, no heartaches, no suffering. I'm living in the garden. I come to the garden alone, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I'm his own, only when I get to the garden. So here, they'll never be back in that relationship and, and we'll never be in that relationship in this world because by one man's sin in the world and death by sin. And now death is passed on all men for all have sinned. And the best we'll ever be is a, a sack of flesh filled with the Holy Spirit and and uh, dragging a flesh man around who's fighting him, fighting every day to take charge. Yeah. The battle never ends. And so, I, I can't go to all those scriptures. You read Galatians chapter 5 for yourself. It'll help you. Read Romans chapter 7 for yourself. 
where I want to go is Psalm 51. That's a pretty destitute place to be where I just described, isn't it? That's where they were. And if you begin to read your Bible, you'll see how destitute it is. How much heartache it is. How many great men rose up and fell. How, many, how much sin wrecked havoc in the world. One of them is the man after God's own heart. That man who, hey, God said, God told Samuel, we're best buds. Here's a man after my own heart. And so everything's right with David. You can paint that paint that red line all the way down and all the way up and you know it's everywhere everything's right but the eye but the but the satan's window to the soul remember that is sight and so you go over there to second uh, samuel chapter 11 i guess it is or isn't that, is that where it's at And David's standing on the roof. And there is Bathsheba. Somebody wants to blame her. It was not her. I mean, she may have had some part in it, but it's not recorded in the Bible. What is recorded is, he was in the wrong place doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. It was a time when kings go to battle and he's standing on the roof looking at the girls. You know, you can be saved 40 years and walk through the drugstore and, and that pornography on the newsstand hits you in the face and it'll catch your eye. That's, that's who we are. This old flesh is weak and willful. So, uh, the story of Bathsheba and David, you know it. He, he fell for her and, you know, if you, read the, if you read the Bible, there's a great lady who was married to a wicked man and David came, David came to destroy that man, and she saved him. And then he died. And David's just freshly married, but he goes and gets her and brings her in. He's he's not even to Bethlehem yet. I mean, he's not even to Jerusalem yet. He's still over there in the hinterland, the, they haven't come to bring the king back to Jerusalem yet. He's, he's running from Saul, but, uh, but he's going to marry and have seven kids over there before he gets... And I wonder, you know, uh, what, 
was her name Abigail? Yes, sir. And you know, she had a big kitchen and she could make deer meat and gravy and stuff, you know. And, and he liked it. And I wonder what, what it was. You know, he, anyway, don't, y'all don't get me off the subject. <laughs> So you come to Psalm 51 and David now has found a Bathsheba and taken her. And, uh, and there's the, the murder of Uriah and Nathan has come and said, you're the man. Sin that is committed can be covered. But if we get, see, Bathsheba has shut this off. And you can take that red line and paint black on it everywhere in there. When sin blocks God out of our life, pretty soon everything in our life is just a mess. Without God, nothing's right. And so, sin that's committed has to be confronted, and sin that's confronted has to be confessed. Nathaniel, uh, what did I say his name was? Huh? Nathan. David's preacher. What was his name? Nathan. Nathan. Nathan put his finger in the king's face and said, you're the man. Remember that? And so now David has been confronted with his sin. And here's the record of confession and covering and cleansing. All of this is, a, I, I'm, uh, the reason we're going through these two opposite things I guess this is my key. Over here in the Satan's attack, Satan's attack comes from the outside and works to the inside. It was his sight. She looked on the tree and saw that it was good for food. And it was the sight that opened the door for, and we saw the fall last week. That's from the outside to the inside. That's how the sin came in. God doesn't work that way. God works in us from the inside to the outside. You'll never be right on the outside till the inside's right. Look at down at look down at verse number six. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward part. You can say it on the outside, but until it's right in the inward parts, it's not right. And the inward parts is this spirit and soul, everything that makes up Wayne Hudson on the inside. You look out there, you're looking at me and you're saying, that's Wayne Hudson. This is not Wayne Hudson. This is just a piece of meat that covers Wayne Hudson. 
It's my earth suit. One of these days, God's going to say, that's enough for you. Your days are over. I'm leaving here, going home. He'll still be here. This, you'll look at the earth suit and say, don't he look natural? <laughs> no, he looks dead, really, is what he looks. <laughs> He's not even there. Y'all get that? Yeah. This, this right here is the heart of man. Down here, this is just a covering. Satan works on the covering. He can make that covering glamorous, can't he? So cool. And on the inside, it's rotten to the core. So, I'm going to erase a little bit of this, if if y'all don't mind. Let me get rid of that. Now then, let's talk about this. David, David has shut off everything coming in. The inward parts are falling apart. Look at it now. Let's read this. He says in verse one, "Have mercy on, have mercy on me, O God, according." To thy loving kindness. Sometimes you ought to take time and according to the multitude of tender mercies. Sometimes you can go over Psalm 103 and get all the benefits that come with the salvation and see just how much mercy and tender mercy that God's going to pour on us. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, Blot out my transgressions. Do you get it? God, he's going to say it several different ways. He's going to say he'll take that sin and put it in a bag and sew it up in a bag. He's going to say he's going to drop it in the, throw it in the depths of the sea. There's a place out there in the San Andreas Fault in Pacific. It's seven miles deep. Fish don't even have eyes. Nobody can see that sin down there. He said, I'll drop it in the sea. He said, I'll put it behind my back. He said, I'll remember it no more against you forever. He said, it's washed and you can be clean to, to the fourth generation. When God cleans, He cleans. So He says, so here is Here's this conviction that is now confessing sin, verse 1. That's, uh, uh, what's David done? He has confessed his sin to God. He's already confessed his sin to Nathan and the preachers and the congregation, but he's not got any... Hey, as I take it, he's, he's been dealing with this a while, and it's eating him up. He's going to say down in verse 3, My sin is ever... I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. I surrendered to preach on that verse. That tall Indian from Tennessee, he took his hanky out. He did something like this. He said, when I go to my job, my sin comes up before me. He said, when I come home in the evening and those little old kids 
grab me around the neck, my sin comes up before me. He said, when I sit down to eat with my family, my sin comes up before me. When we try to say the blessing, my, my sin comes up before me. He said, when we get to the church house and we sing, oh, how I love Jesus, my sin comes up before me. He read my pedigree with that. I was a deacon. I was a lay speaker. I was a Sunday school teacher. I had a lot of offices. About every, I'd done about everything in the church you could do except preach. But preach is what God had put on my heart and I knew I needed to preach but I didn't want to preach. And I dealt with it a, a while. I made Susie miserable and, and I, it was miserable everywhere. He said, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin. What's happening right there? My sin is everywhere. What's happening? Well, the key to this chapter is found way down in verse number uh, 17. We're dealing with this, this principle of brokenness that God does not use people that he has not broken. 17 is the key verse of this chapter. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. There's a case where God used the spirit and the heart all in one phrase. He's not talking about a blood pump. He's talking about what makes you function as who you are. He says, he said, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. The word contrite doesn't mean just broken. You know, the teenager wears a half a heart, and some other teenagers got the other half, and there's kind of a jagged edge where the two halves meet, and that mean, that's kind of the symbolism of that. That's not what he's, when he says a broken heart, he's not talking about that. He's talking about a heart that's ground down to powder. There's nothing left of it. It's completely and totally surrendered to the Lord. And that's what he's going to... I've got more scriptures than I can get to. And I was, I was trying to not... I was just trying to stay on point. we got 20 minutes or 15 minutes to now to get to the message. So so he says, look at here, wash me throughly from mine iniquities. Throughly means pretty well inside and out, doesn't it? That doesn't say thoroughly. It says throughly. And if we believe what we say we believe, we believe that at the inspired word of God. If if he wanted thoroughly there, he would have put thoroughly there. You can wash thoroughly and it still be sustained, can't you? But wash throughly means all the way through, inside and out. And so and God's gonna work from the inside out. I 
I've got some scriptures. I'll, I could give them to you later if you want them. Look at this. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Now look, this is the king. This is the chosen king over all his brothers. He's the ch- chosen king of Bethlehem. He's the psalm singer of, of uh, Israel. He's the He's the, he's the, the women said, he's the king that kills his thousands. Saul's only killed his, or he's the one that kills his ten thousand. Saul only killed his thousands. He's not a halfway king. He's an all the way king. He's the greatest king Israel ever had. In every aspect, he was the greatest king they ever had. In fact, in my mind, he put the nation together. The greatest moment in Israel's history was David on the throne. The greatest psalms that are written, one third of those psalms or more, are written by David himself. The, gr- the greatest psalm writer is, is David. The greatest song singer of Israel is David. The greatest warrior of Israel is David. It's David. I still, I go back to that killing of the giant. He's standing before Saul and Saul's trying to put his armor on him. And he said, I hadn't tried that. I I can't prove that. But I know what God can do. And until four or five years ago, I was preaching with a boy from North Carolina and he gave me he made me understand it. He just put planted it in my mind and I've been studying on it for ever since. At the time he was saying that, he did have a sling in his pocket. But he didn't have one stone. He had just told the king that I took the bear and the lion apart with my bare hands. And I'm able to take him apart too. Read it sometime. And Saul's trying to give him weapons and he doesn't want weapons. He wants to trust the Lord. That's, uh, somebody said, well, he, he knew he was going to get his... I, I preached it this way, that he picked up a silver bullet out of the brook. He, didn't, he, he wasn't dependent on the, on the bullets. He was dependent on the Lord and that's the point of the whole issue. So here's this great man. If anybody in Israel had a right to be proud, it'd be him, wouldn't you say? And here we are. How many years? How many years here a Baptist? Twenty. Twenty. You just a pipsqueak. Sixty. Sixty. Forty something. See, we got seniority. And we may have been in a battle or two and came out on the victory side. Right? And with that comes a ton of pride. You think I'm going to confess to you all my sins? 
That's our attitude, isn't it? You think I'm going to let people see me cry real tears? You think I'm going to lose my pride and be a spectacle in the congregation? I've read everything I can find on revival for years. And the way I read it, if there's no brokenness, if there's no tears, there's no revival. The way I remember it is in the, back in the congregations where we were meeting in those little old barrack buildings and homemade benches. Somebody didn't mind shedding a tear. Somebody didn't mind weeping. Somebody didn't mind shouting. Somebody didn't mind uh, just letting people know that Jesus is my everything. But we're not there now. It may be coming apart at the seams, but I'm not going to let anybody tell, know about it. It's called pride. And God hates pride. And, and as long as the pride is there, this plug can't be removed. There'll be nothing from God. I mean, you, you know all the verses. You've got a mind, and you've been... You can know the verses. You can know all the actions, what to do just to be perfect. But it's a different matter when God's doing the work. Y'all with me? And what he said was the sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. So here's this murderer and philanderer who has taken this, Nathan said, one, one little lamb out of the, the one lamb that the, that the shepherd had, he's taken that one and he had a, had a whole stable full of them already. And he's even murdered her husband. But God said a broken and contrite heart I will not despise. You get that? Are you, are you seeing it? It is not the sin that was committed. It's, it's whether that heart will humble itself before God and let God do a work that He wants to do in every one of us. He wants us to have victory. He wants us to be right. But it starts, verse 6 said, in the truth in the inward parts. So there's a confession in verse number. Uh, he said, my sin is ever before me. There's a confession. Look over Psalm 32 with me. 32 verse 4 says this. Sing unto the Lord. No, that's wrong. 32.4 Day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned to the drought of summer. He's, it starts with, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. I acknowledged, uh, he said, think about all that. Then he said, 
That's what Selah means is think about that. Then he says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I'll confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Think of that. When I was dried up and nothing, when I confessed, it got better. There's more to that passage, but I'm going to go back here. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Wouldn't you say that the king is broken about now? That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. And he's just going to go on. He's broken hearted. He's just telling it now. Behold, I was shaping in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. In, the, in a sin nature. Not in a, an act of sin. It's sin singular, not plural. It's not an act of sin. It's a nature of sin. She conceived me in a nature of sin. And now somewhere... Over in here, I tried to figure out exactly where to hide it, but somewhere over here in this soul is a sin nature. And it, it, you can clean it up, but what the Bible say? Just like a hog, it's going to go back to its wallow. You can put a bow on it, make him a little pet, but before, before it's over, he's going to be back in the mud hole. Wallowing in the mud hole. That's who we are. Job said, if I, if I wash myself and make myself ever so clean, then you'll take me and throw me in the ditch and my own clothes will abhor me. I'll be so filthy. He said, I was shaping in iniquity and in sin... Did my mother conceive me? There's a bunch of studying to do on that verse. The sin nature that we all must combat. But look at this next thought. Thou desirest truth in the inward parts and the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Old, old Dustin said, I had that line back done most beautiful horse on the face of the earth to me. He, he said that horse looked like he could do anything. But he was empty on the inside. There was no inward parts. He didn't have a heart. He didn't have the, the abilities. You know what? God can take the most ignorant looking he can take a little old kid that looked like he couldn't do anything, make the greatest servant that you'll see on this earth. He doesn't need us. He's just waiting on the inward parts that'll submit to him. He'll fix it up. See, when all that happens, the supply line, the supply line gets back in... 
he probably doubles the size of the supply line and gives it just a little more juice. It's a wonderful thing when that happens. The night that preacher preached that message, I didn't want to get in the altar. I wanted to get under it. I could not get low enough. I could not praise God enough. I could not humble myself enough. I was, I was right there where David is. But he picked me up. And I went home and told, Susie was asleep. She, had, she was working a job and she had went, stayed home and went to sleep. I, at midnight I come in, woke her up and I said, what do you think about me surrendering to preach? She said, I think you better do what God's telling you to do. She rolled over and went back to sleep. <laughs> I wrestled with it the rest of the night. But God gave victory. See, he said, he said, Thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Ask yourself this question. Am I true to myself and my calling? I say I'm saved. Am I living up to what God has has your has your conscience been activated by your sin? Of course it has, if you're saved. I mean, for a saved person, the absolute epitome is to be like Jesus. To have a touch of God. And if we're not there, we're grieving inside. This old line's blocked off. We can't get we can't get any satisfaction from the Lord. Boy, when he opens up that valve and turns on the spigot, watch out. We may do some hooping and hollering and jumping and running. Look, I want to show you this. Verse 7. He said, wash me thoroughly. Verse 7 said, purge me with hyssop. I don't have time to go chase it down. You can go back over there to Exodus where he said splash the lentils and doorposts of the house with what? Blood for the Passover. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. That's in, that's in uh, Exodus. And then it's in Numbers again. And then... Uh, you'll see uh, Abraham splashing blood uh, on an altar with Isaac. And then you can move over all the way to John. And Jesus is on a cross on that same mountain. And the last thing that happens on the Calvary, when he said, I thirst, they handed him the vinegar on a, what? Hyssop. The blood was flowing. And they had the hyssop there. It's, a, it's the blood bush. It's the, hey, if you can wash with, Job said, I can wash with water and I'm still unclean. 
He, David said, wash me with hyssop. Wash me truly. Wash me with hyssop. Purge me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Now look, his, the hyssop started on the inside. The whiter than snow is on the outside. The whiter than snow only comes when the hyssop is purged the inside. There's got to be a bloodbath before, before we're fit to put on our tie and go to preaching, you know. And from, there, from that point, the cleansing is over. And then God begins to build. Look at it. Make me, verse 8. Create in me, verse 10. Renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from thy presence. You don't have to worry about that. He's not going to cast you away. That's an Old Testament statement. Restore unto me the joy of thy Restore unto me. Deliver me. Open thou my lips and my mouth will show forth praise. See, verse, he says, Restore unto me the joy of salvation. And look at verse, verse 13 says, Then will I, only after you've done something to me, man, I was thrilled a while ago, one of those young boys come back there, he said, Danette's boy, he said, Brother Wayne, I just want to get clear on this. He said, I'm going to teach salvation to those kids in there tonight. He said, I, I think I'm right, but isn't it so that when, we, that the, when you get down to the white throne judgment that, that, it, that nobody that's saved goes to that judgment? I said, you're exactly right. And the only verdict that comes off of that throne that white throne is guilty. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. And there's going to be some people saying, Lord, Lord, at that throne. So, but he said, well, I thought I was right, but I just wanted to make sure. I love that. I love it. Don't tell it wrong. Get it right. But I love it. He said, he said, when you restore me, then I'll teach transgressors your ways. I'll teach. Then he said, deliver me from blood guiltiness and my tongue will sing. Isn't it wonderful to be able to sing? I know y'all think I can't sing, but <laughs> driving down the road sometimes I can get to singing and Rejoicing in the Lord. I've got a good voice. I just tear it up when it gets right here. <laughs> and then look at 15. Open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. When God does a work, see, he said, I'll teach, I'll sing, and I'll praise.
when you get through cleaning me up, when you get through shaping me up, when you get through turning the turning this valve on and putting that putting that joy back in my soul and making my heart rejoice in you, I'm going to do some praising. He says. Because the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit. You get it? A broken and contrite heart. Two times in one verse. A broken, broken, broken. And without the breaking of pride, none of it happens. Without the breaking of self, none of it happens. It's only as he breaks that he makes. It starts on the inside to work itself out on the outside. The more I study this, the sweeter it gets, the richer it gets. I've, I'd like to preach it again. So, But we're going to be done with this now. We've seen this guy built. We've seen him come from a dead spirit to a live spirit indwelt with the Holy Spirit. We've seen him walk away from God and suffer the consequences. We've seen him be restored from the depths of sin. We've seen him in all the conditions. Now then, we're going to take this and go forth and look at the... See, we, the other day I drew it this way. There's your body. Here's your soul. To me, this 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 is more like it. And here's your spirit. God's the centermost part. So here's the target. Satan's got a target. He's packing around on this target out here. But God hits a bullseye and puts his puts his arrows right there. Right there in the centermost part. When God gets a hold of your spirit, your soul is going to respond. You'll rejoice in your soul. There'll be a will broken in you and you'll want to do the will of God. You'll want to be a part of all that God's doing. It's, it's working from the inside to the outside. But if you let Satan shoot his arrows out here that old poison creeps in our soul gets bitter hard we swell up puff up we accomplished something we hadn't accomplished anything anything we are or ever hope to be is what Jesus has done in us so we're through with them now. I mean, we're not through with him, but I'm quitting drawing him. I just think it's easier to understand it when you see it like this. Uh, it's what we've talked about is the battle of the spirit, the 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 carnality. If God saved you, you're saved, but you can still be carnal. You can still live in your flesh. The battle will go on. You won't be happy. 
until you surrender yourself to him. Paul, Paul spoke of that, Romans chapter 7 and in Galatians chapter 5. Read about that battle. See if you want to live there. If you let your flesh rule you, you're going to be miserable. If you just swallow your pride and let God work on your inward parts, you're going to rejoice the rest of your days. I wish I'd have surrendered long before I did. I wish I could call back some of those rebellious years when I knew better, but I didn't respond. Well, I like that word restoration. You can fail God, but there's a restoring process to get you back where He wants you to be. I mean, God's not going to throw you away. Somebody wrote that song, it's a good song, said He didn't throw the clay away. He's not going to throw you away. He's just going to mold you and shape you, put you right back on the right in the track and say run your race well let's pray Father I just thank you Lord for being who you are I thank you God for working in such as we are Lord we're not worthy of you we're not worthy of your work we're not worthy to be called your children but oh God I thank you Lord that we can call your father Abba Father and know that you'll hear and answer our prayers. Lord, help us to live our lives always in remembrance of who we are. Lord, I pray you'd continue to give us freshness and renewal of the Spirit in our souls. Please take charge of us. Make of us more than we could ever imagine that we could be. And use us in ways that it doesn't even we, can't, we, we don't even understand what you're going to do with us. Please have your way with us. Work in us. Take us and make us. Break us if necessary. And fill us with your spirit. And use us for your glory. In Jesus.